Welcome, everyone. My name is Julie Hasselberger, and this is the Adapted Life Podcast. I've created this podcast because there are many of us out here in the world who have faced life-altering challenges and adversity. Adversity which can permanently alter the life that you once envisioned for yourselves. For me, it was when my son in 1998 was diagnosed with devastating disabilities, and everything changed. I'm here now to bring encouragement, compassion, support, community. This podcast is a journey into how I actually have learned to adapt, develop resiliency, and create a wonderful life far better than I ever could have imagined when all I could see was crisis. This is my adapted life, and I hope it will be yours too. The Adapted Life Podcast by Julie Hasselberger, Episode 2. So I'm back again for Episode 2, and this is about adapting life as a special needs mom. So it's kind of Part 2, and I'm going to share a little bit of kind of how things went in my early years as a mom and what happened. So it goes without saying that any young parents who are told that their baby's going to be severely developmentally delayed will go through all kinds of stages, and, and one of them is grief. I mean, it's it's such a varied thing, and a lot of the feelings and emotions, including grief, are often ignored by the outside world, because people don't really know, you know, all of the, all of the emotional stuff that you're going through. But you know, and you do, and it sucks, and my husband... You know, it was hard for him too. He has this little baseball t-shirt and a little ball that he made out of hospital tape that he collected when Daniel was in the ICU as a little infant. Uh, It's inside his top dresser. And I guess, you know, he always hoped that he'd, uh, you know, have a little dude to to play ball with. Well, he did eventually, but at the time he didn't know we were going to have number three. So yeah, it hurts and it aches. And it's really hard and you wonder what kind of life this child will have and if you are up to the task of handling it and you don't even know what you're going to be handling and all you know is that it's not something that you can plan for. So anyhow, developmentally, my son had no typical milestones as he began to grow. Uh, my daughter, who is two years older, she has this beautiful baby book that I made, you know, put it all together, scrapbooked it, very detailed, has all the little milestones for steps, for words, you know. So I had made a similar one uh, before Daniel was born. Uh, eventually, one day I was having a tough time and I threw it into the trash can in tears. It had captions like first steps, first words, you know, first favorite foods and all those things. All those normal little things that, you know, we kind of expect and, and we we mark as milestones, right? But we had no idea what, if any, milestones he would be able to meet. I mean, we knew he'd meet some, but we had no idea. So I decided that day when I threw the, the quote, baby book away, that life was now going to write its own version. And I got this big black binder, and it was empty. And I just put some paper in there. And I said, this is it. And so I took it from there. And I re- I wrote things, I put poems in there, all, all kinds of everything, everything about Daniel was in that book, still is to this day. Um, so over the course of the first couple of years of Daniel's life, we, um, you know, it was it was a little crazy. We we were going to lots of doctors and 
But lots of lots of doctors, genetic studies, trying to figure things out what exactly it is that he had going on. Is it genetic? Would it affect future children? It was finally a neurologist that we had at Yale New Haven Children's Hospital uh, who did his first MRIs and who really hit us with the news that his brain was permanently deformed. And it's pretty much forever, you know. It's a condition called polymicrogyria, she said. And then I was like, okay, I got to figure this out. So we couldn't really find that much information in the late 90s, early 2000s. It wasn't as easy as it is now. But we did get referred eventually for a consultation with a specialist out in Chicago. And he specialized in studying these types of neuronal migration disorders, similar to Daniel's. So we made a trip. And we went for a weekend clinic in Chicago with Daniel, and it was probably one of the most informational couple of days uh, that we had um, in his whole life because it really set the course. Um, Basically, what the doctor said was that Daniel's polymicrogyria was caused by a virus called the cytomegalovirus, otherwise known as CMV, Uh, very familiar to those of us in the world of polymicrogyria and CMV disabilities. Um, I had never heard of it. I wish I had. Uh, I had no idea what it was. But it wasn't a genetic misfire of any kind. It was really the presence of a virus that attacked his brain in utero, probably around the 11th to the 13th week of gestation. So somewhere really early. And his brain was significantly affected. It didn't develop. It's about 80% uh, deformed. So polymicrogyria, uh, I, I don't know, I'm like, what the heck? What is this? You know, it's the name of his specific diagnosis is bilateral diffuse polymicrogyria. It affects 80% of his brain. And basically the occipital region is the only one that wasn't really significantly affected. So his vision's very, very acute. Anyway, So they knew it was cytomegalovirus because of his brain scans and all that stuff. You know, they could see little things on there that that defined that, right? So that was it. It was a virus. And we found out the virus is typically transmitted by little kids, especially little kids that are in daycares. And guess who was in daycare? Where I went every single day while I was pregnant? Sarah. Great little daycare. So much fun. But uh, at the time, I was still working. So I would stop there every day. And I don't remember being sick, but it was in the beginning of the pregnancy. So yeah, that is just something I don't remember. Unfortunately, um, if I had known, maybe, I don't know what I would have done differently. Maybe not, maybe washed my hands more carefully or whatever. You know, viruses spread through, you know, droplets, etc. What? Anyhow, that's what happened. He got, he, I got sick, his brain deformed, and that's how it happened. So anyway, enough of the technical stuff. There's more mumbo jumbo, but you know, let me just tell you about this baby. First of all, he was adorable. He was so adorable. He was this chubby little bundle of smiles and giggles and his eyes just sparkled and he had just this look about him, you know, and he used to giggle, 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 and he loved to snuggle. And he was a trooper. He really was. He, um, he was just amazing. Sarah loved him. They snuggled. They were a good brother and sister. And we were figuring it out. 
we were like, okay, what do we need for this baby? Let's start now. And we started all kinds of things for him, but we got him lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of toys, so many toys, so many lights everywhere, but you know, anything we could to enhance his life. So at age two, he um, sadly had to have a G-tube placed because he wasn't able to eat well. He was doing okay as an infant and breastfeeding and then bottle feeding, but he was eventually diagnosed failure to thrive by his GI doctors, and he couldn't swallow very well. So they gave him a G-tube for supplemental feedings at the age of two, uh, and he's had it ever since. So the first few years, you know, feeding, feeding was so hard. You know, one thing to be watching your baby go from solids or soft to solids, but feeding for Daniel was really, really hard. He would gag and choke and we pureed everything and it was hard and he would cry and cough. And eventually we went to a pulmonary doctor and they did some studies. And the swallow study showed that he was basically aspirating a good portion of what he was eating into his lungs. He had had some pneumonia and then, you know, that's what prompted them to do the study. So about age seven, he was finally done with eating by mouth because it was just simply too dangerous. So that happened, you know, and we had speech and swallow therapists and experts and teachers, and we worked for probably from when he started going to the the special needs preschool, which was age three, um, until he was almost seven, and it was just to no avail. We could not get him to safely swallow, and he couldn't couldn't handle it. He he still can't use his uh, motor skills in his mouth. So that happened, you know. It was just like, okay, so let's adapt to this, okay? Eating is not going to happen. We're going to eat differently. We're going to adapt and get our nutrition another way. And so to me, it was like God gifted him with another way to get nutrition. Anyway, so that happened, you know, and it was just kind of like with everything that happened that wasn't normal, you go through this like adjustment. Okay, so it's supposed to be like this, but now it's not. It's like this over here. Okay, so let's just accept it. And we have to let go. And back then it was hard to let go. It was very difficult. You know, I used to have this thing called Julie moments. And John would be like, we'd be like at friend's house and he'd come in the house and I'll be alone in the kitchen or something. And he'd be like, what's going on? And I'm crying. I'm just having a moment, you know, because it would hit me. You know, like when my friends had their baby boys. We had three of us that had babies in November of 97. And they were all six months old. And we were at a party, a big backyard barbecue. And their boys were sitting up and playing with toys and eating Cheerios. And Daniel was in a tumble forms special needs chair. He was too floppy to even hold his head up and basically was infantile still and, you know, smiling, looking around. But it was so profoundly different than the other two boys that it really hit me like like a ton of bricks landed on my head and I just burst into tears and ran inside and nobody really, my friends were like, I feel so bad, I don't know what to do, you know. And it's just, the whole process was me adapting and adjusting to the fact that this was my reality, right? And in the beginning, I think we feel so sad for ourselves, for the situation, for the future, for the loss of the child you thought you were going to have. And then you do love this new child. You love him so much, but yet it's still so hard. It's just complicated, you know. But whenever I would get like in this funk, 
I had this spunky little redheaded daughter who was two years older than Dan, and he she was like the grounding force that I needed to bring me back into like everything's okay, mom. You know, she just made me laugh. She was so so much fun. And I was adapting to this world that lies kind of in between normal parenting of typical kids and special needs parenting. But I'm in the middle because I had typical kids and then a very severely disabled child. And it's a weird kind of place to be. It's like you're you're always thinking about all this stuff that you have to do from a medical and therapy and, and all that stuff, right? And then you have the normal stuff, right? Like all this, all the things, all the things. Anyhow, I float back and forth from that sort of middle space place, which is then it became the new space, right? It's became my space. But uh, it, it was hard to create my own independent existence in between. And it was a very lonely place. I can tell you that. That's kind of a little bit about Daniel's early years. He, he is pretty incredible. And I just had to take it one step at a time. I used to say one day at a time. I can't think that far ahead. I can't think that far ahead because they don't know how long he's going to be with us. They told me age 10. Yeah, they were wrong. But, you know, you start to think, oh my gosh, well, what what do we got to do? You know, what do we have to do? So you just kind of flow back and forth, you know, and somewhere in there around, so Sarah was like, let me see, she's like five when my third son was born. So that was fun. <laughs> he was, he was 12 pounds. Uh, that's another whole story. Uh, my beautiful boy. Anyway, so it's kind of um, the space in between is sort of what I wanted to get to with this little talk is you have one life and then your life changes, right? But then you have a normal life that you know, you know, kind of how to do it because you've been planning for it. And that was my daughter, right? I was figuring out how to be a mom to my daughter. She was great. She was perfect. She had no issues, really nothing. She was just healthy and, and vibrant and beautiful. And um, and then I had this other son who was, you know, severely disabled and had disabilities and a myriad of issues. And we were figuring things out still. And, you know, we had more stuff to come. We just didn't know it was a rare condition. And being a special needs mom is hard like that, especially when they're little and you don't know what development is going to do to them. So you kind of go, all right, I'm in this world and then I'm in that world. And you just figure out a way to bring it together when you need to and give everyone the time they need. And I don't know, somehow I did it. So I look in the mirror now and I see a face that has been through over two decades of learning and adapting and figuring it out. And I don't have as many Julie moment breakdowns as I used to. Uh, very few, actually, because over the years, I have come to know my son for the person that he is, and acceptance takes time. And yeah, it's still sad sometimes, very sad. And I'm not saying that because I'm feeling sorry for myself. I'm just saying that sometimes you just feel that way, whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent. It's just, it's it's a hard life, but it's a life full of love, and it's a life full of just amazing miracles and so much love. Just 
all all the people, all the people around you and all the kindness that that showered on us. Anyway, so that's all for this episode. And I'm going to kind of branch into some different things. I don't know. I'm just going to keep talking is what I'm going to do and just see where it goes. But this special needs mom knows that it takes a lot of work to get through it. And I just want to leave it at that. So I'm here for you. So let's take it where it goes. And I will be back again with more Julie stuff. So I wish you a very wonderful, wonderful rest of your day or night. And uh, please keep tuning in. Please keep listening as I develop and grow this, this really special project. Thank you. See you next time. I just wanted to let everybody know that you can learn more about my life, Julie Hasselberger, on my YouTube channel, which is um, Julie Hasselberger on YouTube. It's a vlog channel, V-L-O-G, and it's just videos that I've uploaded over the past many years about our life and life with a special needs child who is now an adult and all of the different things that we've gone through in our lives. And it's just our journey, you know, taking a look inside of what it looks like uh, to be in my world. So you're welcome to join our YouTube community. You could find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. You can even find artwork that is created by Daniel and I on his Etsy shop that I created for him. It's called Daniel's Special Art. And that's kind of our community and we're growing and we're very, very happy that you are here and you're meeting us. And we're so excited about the future and all the different projects that will come out of all of this And I just want to say that I'm blessed and I'm grateful and send all of my love and best wishes to you all today. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.